This week on Prepping 2.0. Preparing for a vague, theoretical, physical threat. What mindset is to me is being resilient, meaning being prepared to be pushed or shoved or punched down and then understanding how you operate when that happens, because it's inevitable. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready, Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome everybody to Prepping 2.0, very special episode today. We have Mike Glover, of a variety of organizations, most notably American Contingency, and that's what he's going to talk about this morning. And um, we're not we're going to dispense with commercials and all that other stuff we do. We want the maximum number of mic minutes possible on this show, because I'm going to say this American Contingency is the real deal. I am a member. I don't join organizations. Um, this this Patriot prepper movement, whatever it's called, has always been looking for that one guy that's going to make everything magic. I don't believe in that one guy magic stuff. I do believe that Mike Glover and American Contingency are are important and are the way to go. And so I'm very thrilled to have him on the show. So let's just jump straight into it. I'll give you a brief bio. Um, Mike is a former Tomb of the Unknown Soldier guard at age 19, which I find very impressive. Oh, yeah, Green Beret and CIA contractor, too, which is pretty cool. And he started Fieldcraft Survival, which is an outstanding uh, training uh, organization for a variety of things. But what we're here to talk about is what I mentioned, which is American Contingency. And I'm just going to jump into it, say hello, Mike. And why don't you tell us what American Contingency is? Hey, uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, You know, American Contingency is my way of kind of leveraging my experience um, working in security, crisis response, uh, intelligence, and kind of providing a path for people who in this kind of day and age where there's a whole bunch of misreporting and misinformation, uh, I think it's more more likely disinformation. Um, we kind of want to be a voice of reason uh, and a voice of education for people to look at being more prepared for themselves uh, and their families. Yeah, and, and American contingency is, and I'll just mention my experience with it, it's sort of a, uh, I hope I'm using the right terms here, a database, it's a way of you getting information out. There are members and members can get in touch with other members and in all of that. It's building community on a on a national digital level but really leaving it up to individuals and groups of people to do what needs to be done is that a fair assessment yeah that's completely correct i think a a lot of organizations make the mistake from the beginning of creating a hierarchy or a task organization that lends itself um to people being in charge of other people And I think that's a mistake when you look at this kind of movement, because uh, I I think people need guidance and I I think people need information. But I think people in the United States of America are quite capable of leveraging and building their own social networks. And so we kind of want to be a forum uh, to provide that safe environment, that moderated environment where uh, people don't have to worry about you know, crazy people or people who want to antagonize people and let it be focused 
on the right mission set, which in this case is preparedness. And I think intelligence is, is part of that because we want to offer the right information uh, that's that's not subjective, that's very objective, so people can make their own decisions with that information, especially when it comes to to their own individual or their family or even their community's protection. Yeah, exactly. One of the things I'm really drawn to about American contingency, and you and I had an opportunity to chat about this when you were in Washington State for a, for a training and a speaking engagement is, I'm and my listeners uh, will know all about this. I'm not an offense guy. I am purely defensive. I think that you need to take care of your family and your tribe, your team, your mutual assistance group, whatever you want to call it. And that's about the end of the offensiveness <laughs> that I foresee. And then, and I want to be super clear. Uh, if you haven't already checked out American contingency, you will know this or you won't know this, but once you do, you'll find this out. American contingency is not a militia. It is not an attempt to overthrow the government. These are all things that are very consistent with the prepping 2.0 philosophy. And so I w that's why I say I can vouch for Mike. I can vouch for American contingency. And I think it's something that every prepping 2.0 listener, every preparedness minded person, every patriot needs to be a part of because this isn't some big you know, plot to take over the government. So I just, I know, I know, Mike, you're very emphatic about that. And I just wanted to also make the point that there, there are limits to what you're talking about here and it's all the good stuff and none of the bad stuff. Yeah. I, I, I find it problematic that, you know, there's a lot of organizations that are standing up and being super negative and super toxic about things. Um, and we've been misreported uh, even in mainstream media by USA Today and a couple other news outlets. Um, but that would never be something that I would advocate personally or that I would allow the organization to become, which is um, an organization that incites or advocates for violence or even the presence of people being in harm's way. I think strategically and tactically, from my experience, if you want to make change, you have to do so in a very positive and very centralist point of view. And mm -hmm. I think that's super important. And many, many organizations don't do that. Um, but that's something that we, we stand behind since the very beginning. Yeah. Why did you form American contingency? You know, I, I think from the very get go, the idea was that there was something happening socially in our country that was causing uh, social disruption and, and a breakdown and law and order. And I think uh, for me to literally start the organization came about via law enforcement officers or first responders, because it included EMS and EMT professionals, not being able to respond to calls for help by law abiding citizens. You know, and it, this first took place in Seattle, then Portland, and there's other reports that aren't as detailed as, uh, as Seattle and Portland where essentially law enforcement officers were told, uh, EMS professionals were told, do not go and respond to these calls. And, and one of those statistics, which is alarming, was 60 um, calls to 911, which included larceny, burglary, and even assault. And so what I realized in, in the messaging that I was getting from Philcraft Survival, the DMs, and the list goes on, uh, even conversation, personal conversations, were that people wanted to know what to do to better protect themselves and their families. 
and and immediately I thought, you know, I, I felt a a burden or responsibility that I needed to be at least a voice in the beginning of how we could do this. Um, and then I started realizing that um, uh, in Provo, Utah, which is right down the road, a uh, 60 plus year old man who was driving to work and got, you know, detoured, ran into a, a, a protest that became violent and was shot in the chest by, by a uh, person who was standing off the side on the sidewalk and nearly killed him. And then I realized there's not a lot of information out there where people could tune into to even have a better understanding of what's happening in their own backyard. And so we started the geographical open source intelligence and information um, uh, standard operating procedures for us where we wanted to provide at least a minimum of force protection information of potential places to avoid. Now, it could be a peaceful protest, but if if you're like me, I don't want my family around any gathering uh, of lo- a large assimilation of people, especially people who are who are uh, in emboldened and enraged um even if it's not a a violent protest so that stemmed into what it is now and i think that's how we will evolve in the future Uh, it's not specific things that are happening right now it's a culmination of a whole bunch of things that are potentially going to happen and just educating that consumer. Yeah, and we're recording this show on Monday, November 2nd, the day before the election. So we shall see. This will air after the election. I wanted to note a couple things. Mike, you've put a ton of your own money and a ton of time, and time is at a premium for you, into American contingency. So this isn't, you know, some brilliant business model necessarily. This is this is where your heart is. And also, you mentioned um, American contingency being a place to go to for information. I want to put an exclamation point on that because uh, Shelby, and I should have mentioned my co-host, how rude of me, Shelby, my wife, who uh, can't be with us today, so that's why you're only hearing me. Um, we have talked about digital preps, and by that we mean we fully expect Facebook and Twitter and Instagram to really ratchet down on people like us, especially after the election, under the guise of saying we don't want to have false information about the election uh, distributed, we've already started uh, transferring or, or migrating, I should say, over to other media outlets like Parler and MeWe and these other things. The reason I bring that up is couple things. Um, American contingency is a great place to go for the information that you're not going to get, you know, on Facebook, probably starting uh, November 4th. Um, But also, um, let's see. So you migrate over and and you should migrate over. You're going to get this kind of information and American contingency does it. Oh, that's the other thing. I'm sorry. I was going to mention. And that is this. American contingency has come under attack from big tech. Um, I mean, describe a little bit of the shenanigans. Um, I know you fix some of them with YouTube, but is this idea that Facebook and big tech is going to kick us all off or suppress our our voices? Is this made up or have you lived this? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. The latter for sure. I, I, you know, originally it started as my personal account and, and that is because I didn't support support some of the large movements that I, you know, if you look into them, some of them have Marxist ideology, which I'm adamantly against. Uh, some of them are very divisive in how they, they actually segregate and divide people. And, and I think that's problematic. And so uh, when people were coming out of the woodwork, supporting all these organizations, I simply 
not being toxic in my own way, because I, I do believe in the Constitution and people's rights to do assemble and protest and do all the things they feel uh, they need to do for their ideology. But when I started seeing like this infringement and suppression against other people's ideas and trying to silence them, I wanted to speak up and I did so. And when I did that, immediately I started seeing the suppression. And in 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 business, you know, I've been doing this since I left the CIA as a contractor for four years every single day of my life. I, I don't think I've literally missed one day because I'm super passionate about what I do. And I, I understand uh, how social works in its consistency in providing value to the end user. So I made a commitment to the people that I, I was going to provide the value for. And I analyze a lot of those metrics. And I, I noticed an immediate drop off via a couple posts that I did where I said all lives matter because I, 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 I really believe that. I don't think any one person, race or whatever uh, matters more than the next. And I think we're, we all should think that way. And immediately um, it started affecting my business. Uh, and I, I didn't think this was a possibility, but uh, then my mom's business, because my mom was posting about American contingency and Phil Craft, my business, Facebook deleted her ability to post her website on her Instagram and her Facebook. And she owns a spa, a wow. salon and spa. She's a cosmetologist. And they and they and they gave her some blanket reason saying we don't support businesses like yours. So I, I started reaching in and talking to people who I know at Facebook, including a buddy of mine who's very good friends with the two IC, the chief of operations at Facebook, and found out that my account, including American contingency and the backup account, USA contingency, were deleted off Facebook and Instagram, Instagram in a roll-up. Uh, moderated by um, the Facebook team in Dublin, Ireland. And so they they deleted, suppressed, and then continued to cause issues. And then I had to use my point of contacts on the back end to get it restored. And so, you know, whether it was a mistake because it was rolled up with every other right-wing uh, uh, perceived extreme organization, um, it doesn't matter to me. What matters is I think there is – a gross manipulation of, of social media, especially conservative voices, and, and especially that go against the narrative. And that's why I migrated to locals. I mean, everything we do is on locals because I know the CEO, who's a former Israeli defense officer, who is not going to censor us, who allows us to self-moderate, and who protects personal information. All those things that I highlighted are super important to me. And Facebook and Instagram and Twitter now um, and, and YouTube's gotten better, but they have all showed a propensity to continue to do this. And I'm not going to take the chance anymore, um, especially with people's personal information. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned locals. This would be a good time for you to, and it'll be in the show notes to let folks know how to get um, more information about American contingency. I know the website, but it sounds better when you say it. Yes. Yeah, so we so we migrated everything to www. AmericanContingency.locals.com, and you know it's a it's a an application that allows you to social network, to receive content and information, um, and and be better protected and, and served 
knowing that everything that you're doing and relationships you're building, even your own American contingency group isn't going to be suppressed um, because we're, we're protected on the platform. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is a, a great segue into a larger question, and that would be, what is this country facing and what can be done about it? Well, I, I think, you know, <laughs> big topic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, look, it, 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 the whole thing is, is problematic. And, and if people want to, to do something in their own uh, American contingency groups, like here's, here's one thing I wanted to highlight. It's like American contingency. We don't uh, regulate people standing up their own groups and becoming better organized um, on their own. We provide a standard operating procedure and guidance. We provide mentorship and we provide training along the way. But but people in their own communities are going to stand up in their churches and their businesses in their workplaces um, in their families and friends and raise their hand and say, hey, I, I have some experience in leadership. I'm going to do something different. And that's what we want people to do. And that's where we want people to go. Um, this idea that we're going to, uh, you know, regulate and and moderate from a, a a platform standing on top of the hill, that's not going to work for us. And and so we're very decentralized. Now we will moderate, meaning we will pay attention to people who are inciting violence or inciting anger and discontent, because we don't tolerate that on on the platform. Because we want to have a safe environment for 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 women, for children, for families. Um, so the first thing that people can do is go there, sign up, uh, sign up with, with an account and then start paying attention to the content that's provided. I, I love the fact that there's experts and assets and value ads that aren't me because you don't have to be a special operations guy to be a value add to your community. You could be a nurse, you could be a teacher, you could be, you could have a, a podcast on preparedness. All those things are super important, especially in our own communities and our own backyards. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things you mentioned, uh, I call political preps. And some people, I think some listeners, you know, they want like the action stuff, like firefights and gunfights and stuff. By the way, I've never been in the military, so I really have never been in one of those. Don't know much about it. I know a whole lot about politics. And we've talked about this on Prepping 2.0. Political preps have a plan for, I don't know, uh, the day after election day or election day. And it could be as simple as having some signs go to the courthouse. Uh, I'm a big fan of candlelight vigils. I think that they are really uh, impactful in American culture. I don't think they, they, you know, prevent a motorcycle gang from stealing your stuff. Don't think that I'm all about lovey-dovey hugs and everything. But um, you, would be, you would be shocked uh, if you haven't been in the political world, and both Shelby and I have, the impact five or ten people outside a courthouse in a rural county have when they have a sign that says something like, um, you know, Trump won or whatever it may be. So consider that. Well, you know, um, here's a question. Uh, what what kind of value do American contingency members get out of this organization? It's, it's five bucks a month and I happily pay for it. What what are folks getting for this? You know, the <clears throat> it's a very interesting question because I, I kind of battle with that from the beginning because I'm not like one, I I never wanted to make American contingency like a business plan. In fact, we we already have submitted for a 501 C4 and uh, that's how we'll continue to operate into 2021. But uh, in the short term, people asked me, they said, Mike, I'm getting leveraged and pushed 
to the, the content via Philcraft. And I said, yes, that's, that's actually how we're doing it because we were migrating um, everything rapidly through um, the merchant services accounts and everything to get it up and running. And that's how we need to do it. We need to be fast in our approach to that. And then, and then people like people ask me like, Mike, why would you charge $5 for people to show up online or even in person? And it's simple. When people pay $5, they're providing their personal information, their financial information, and they're taking a step that's a little bit more in depth um, and comprehensive than just being a part in the shadows of something. Um, and, and I don't want people to be in the shadows. I don't want people to have anonymous accounts and, and just be able to troll and do the negative things that typically happen on social media. I also want to support locals. I mean, locals is not providing a free service. Locals actually charges me 15%, which I think is a bargain in the context of providing a secure server and a safe place and environment where I could even manipulate the software to have a better interaction with people. Like I, we, we're already doing that with, with American Contingency on Locals now. Where we're providing live feed features and better uh, user interface. So I want people to be invested. What we provide is, one, I produce a show every single week with a guest in the realm of preparedness. And that, to me, that's full and encompassing. And I'm also providing content, uh, which we're rolling out actually next week, um, content provider or American Contingency Affiliates. Like we have a girl by the name of Amber who's going to be providing uh, a weekly a family preparedness video, um, essentially like a small TV show of her own on American contingencies. We're doing that for med. We're doing that for mindset. We're doing that for uh, health and fitness. Also, we provide free training. Yesterday, we trained 250 people from American contingency from the surrounding area in, in Arizona, and we trained Stop the Bleed, which is basically you know um, uh, first aid addressing trauma. And we'll continue to do that. Uh, we have plans to do it on the West Coast, the East Coast. Our next round is going to happen, happen in Texas, where we train hundreds of American contingency members. Uh, and, and then most importantly, I think what I'm excited about is outside of the information and, and intelligence we're providing as a service is the expo that we're having next spring. Uh, we decided to give it some time uh, for the election cycle and for the uh, COVID cycle to see what happens in the springtime. But we're having a big one week long expo where we provide everything from mindset, coaching, mentoring, um, you know, preparedness, survival, first aid, and the list goes on in a free seminar, free to members. That's going to be like shot show, um, but in, in the preparedness realm. And I think that's going to be super impactful, especially for people who are interested in preparing their families because it's going to be a family event uh, here in Salt Lake City. And so, Mike, I hate to yeah, interrupt right. you. We uh, we need to cut to a break here. Uh, this is the end of the first segment, and then we'll be coming back very shortly with more of Mike Glover. He's going to tell us more about American Contingency, and he's going to tell us about his other project, which is Fieldcraft Survival. So stick around, everybody. We're just getting warmed up with Mike Glover, American Contingency, Fieldcraft Survival. You're listening to Prepping 2.0. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. 
Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love new mana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Looking to meet other like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own prepper group? Already have a group? Join PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet has gathered the biggest names in the industry to help unite preppers everywhere. Join John Jacob Schmidt, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Charlie Hogwood, Samuel Culper, Survivor Jane, Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, and Brian Duff. Our team is united. Check us out at PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. We are back, everybody. Welcome back to Prepping 2.0. The website, for those of you new listeners, and there'll be a ton of them because Mike Glover's on, and that is Prepping2-0.com, Prepping2-0.com, syndicated radio show, podcast. We now have videos. It's 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 all good stuff. But if, if you like... Mike Glover, you're going to love Prepping 2.0. Wanted to come back. We're, we're here with Mike Glover of American Contingency Fieldcraft Survival. Um, a fun fact about Mike that not a lot of people know is, oh, sure, there's the cool Green Beret stuff and being a CIA clandestine contractor guy. That's all cool. But, Mike, um, why don't you tell people when you were a little kid what you wanted to be? I found this kind of fascinating. Oh, there's so many things. I think the... The classic one that I've gotten the most crap for is uh, I wanted to be a circus bear <laughs> when I was a kid. I, I thought you could actually be a circus bear because I remember seeing the circus and thinking those were guys dressed up in bear suits. <laughs> and I didn't realize they were actual bears. I was like, that's too dangerous. I want to be in a bear suit. <laughs> that that never worked out. The money wasn't probably um, decent in that industry and it's since fall, fallen apart. But I don't know. That's fabulous. That's right. Another thing about Mike, you uh, recently had a little bit of an illness. Uh, we we had to reschedule recording the show a couple of times. Uh, tell folks what happened because um, there might be some insight uh, from what happened to you. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure I'm like a 95 percent sure that I had COVID. Um, me and about three additional employees of mine all got sick when we went to Montana. Um, we actually went to Montana to receive 
the mobility bug out challenge that we had from Portland into Whitefish, Montana. And I got really ill after that. And I've already had, I had H1N1 in January um, Jeez. Uh, as confirmed by a test. And it's the first time in my life I think I've had the flu because I've always been given the flu shot and have never gotten sick. Um, this is the first time. And so I knew it wasn't H1N1 because you're immune from H1N1 for two to 10 years, uh, according to the CDC. So I, I had headache, fever, pain in the eyes, and then I lost my taste, which stood out to me. And then uh, that lasted for well over a week. And so, yeah, it, it sucked really bad. Um, wouldn't recommend it for anybody, but I'm actually kind of glad that I did have it because you know, having the antibodies, even though a lot of people don't really know exactly how long that lasts, um, I feel pretty good going into the winter suppressive immunity season knowing that I had it. Yeah, no, there's a silver lining to everything, and that's uh, that's a preparedness mindset that we'll be talking about in just a moment. But I wanted to ask you about Fieldcraft Survival. I'm familiar with it. Tell folks about Fieldcraft Survival because this is Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Prepping 2.0 recommended training. Yeah, I started Fieldcraft Survival, um, and I was actually in a shipping container in Pakistan <laughs> and was on my last uh, CIA gig and realized I kind of wanted to do something different with my life. Um, so I, I, I literally started it in that shipping container with the branding, with the logo, with everything that became Fieldcraft at a latter point. Um, but the idea was in special operations, I, I, did a whole bunch of things putting myself in harm's way on purpose, you know, deliberately putting myself in harm's way, but coming out of that experience typically on top um, with a, you know, the highest probability of success in that, in that job or career field. And so I realized it wasn't just because we were fit or because we were um, resilient in our mindset, but it had a lot to do with preparation, you know, how we trained, how we even recruited and assessed our candidates in special operations, how we planned, how we uh, prepared in rehearsals, and how much attention to detail we paid in uh, the specific equipment we utilized, and then the lessons we learned along the way. And so I realized that the civilian sector was missing a lot of processes, uh, a lot of information, um, and I wanted to be that for people. So I, I didn't think of preparedness and survival as being like this primitive skill set. I thought of it as being a modern skill set that was, no matter what your political affiliation, important for for everybody. Yeah, and I want to emphasize that fieldcraft survival is not just the bushcraft stuff, which is good to know and everything, but I think is rather limited when it comes to the full spectrum of things you need to know and uh, be mentally prepared for. And you were talking about mental preparation. I know you've put a pause on uh, a podcast that you did um, with some of uh, your friends and colleagues called Modern Mindset 365. Highly recommend that podcast. The The older episodes are absolutely golden. Um, me and my team, we listen to them and we get a lot out of it. And um, so anyway, look into Modern Mindset 365 listeners. Um, I think you're going to really like it because it is about mindset. You can't have all the stuff you need. Um, I've never been in the military, but I have a bunch of special operations friends who, who tell me this. What's the phrase? It's uh, in order of import importance, you've got mindset, skill set, and then tool set. Stuff comes third, guys, and mental preparedness 
toughness, um, understanding that bad things can happen and I think are likely to happen. And then everything from there is a detail. But you got to you got to harden up. And if you have seven AR-15s, that's awesome. But you really need to understand um, why you might need one first and foremost, instead of just being a an Instagram guy who shows off cool stuff on Instagram, which which I don't dig that much. Um, so what kind of uh, training does Fieldcraft offer both in person and online? And is that expanding? Yeah, it absolutely is expanding. Um, I mean, we teach everywhere in the United States, pretty much regionally, and we train two to three courses every weekend across the United States, um, both Saturday and Sunday. Um, we're not just about tactical training courses. That is something we do provide. Uh, we also provide first aid and, and trauma. Uh, we provide mindset classes, resilience classes, survival, primitive skill set classes. Uh, we, we actually provide workshops as well for free, including survival psychology and, um, you know, ways to think outside the box. Uh, I've done consulting and speaking engagements across the United States uh, that we absolutely provide for free. Um, and we, we continue to do that here in Utah and we'll continue to do that uh, every weekend um, into 2021. So, it, you know, Full spectrum um, in South Carolina, for example, in two week two weekends from now, we'll be running pretty much every course that we offer, uh, including defensive driving, um, all in one place and at the Sawmill Training Center. Uh, we like to do that as a company, meaning we like to surge um, all my subcontractors and employees um, in one place uh, because we like to affect community, which means we don't just train, show up, and then walk away. We like to build the relationships. We like to provide the free seminars. We like to hang out and, and, you know, have dinner and lunch with the guys and gals that come and train with us because that's what we're all about as community. One of the things that is lacking in large segments of the preparedness community is an appreciation and a reverence for training. And here's why it's important. And and I, I do a bunch of training. Shelby does. We pay to do it. Because here are three things you get out of it. First of all, mindset. I'm not around um, Green Berets and Rangers and stuff all day long. You need that mindset. You need to understand what they have learned elsewhere, and you need to take that into account. Here's another thing, and this is this is aimed at guys like me. I'm a uh, well, I now live in a rural part of Washington State, but I'm a lawyer. Um, I sue government for a living, so don't think I'm a scumbag. And uh, it's confidence. You know what? I And, and I don't mean like I'm, I, I lack confidence. That's not my point. But I, I lack experience in doing things. I've never crawled around and, and shot underneath a vehicle and hit a bunch of steel targets. I've never done a variety of things until I go out and I do them in training. Because guess what? The second time you go and you do that, it's no big deal. There's no mystery. There's no millisecond hesitation. Oh, geez, if I drop to this knee, um, am I going to get a rock in my you know, patella and it's going to hurt a lot? No, no, you just do it and you go, oh, okay, this is it. And the third thing you get, and this is especially true of shooting. I've not experienced this with other things, but it probably applies. When you get good training on tactical things, uh, and you mentioned not just dropping it off and, and leaving it alone, Mike, but the, here's the thing about training. It teaches you how to practice. You know, I mean, the reps you get on the range at training is great and one thing, 
but you're learning how to practice. And then you go and you take that back to your range and you practice the right way. You clear malfunctions the right way. So it's not just a weekend thing where you go and you get stuff anyway. So I highly recommend training. And I've said it a million times on the show. I always talk about the seventh AR. Guys, if you're thinking about that eighth AR, um, go get some training and spend money on when it comes to guns on ammunition. A lot of training, guys is free online with with youtube but uh you can't always count on that and there's a there's a uh a, a, i keep coming back to mindset so that's why training matters it's not just you know checking some boxes and saying okay i uh i butchered a rabbit for the first time that's that's just part of it it's the fact that you're butchering a rabbit and now you're not <laughs> afraid or skeeved out by doing it uh, in the future, what do you think, uh, Mike, about the value of training? And I know you have a training company, but I know what you're going to say, and it's going to it's going to get some people off the couch that are maybe listening right now. Yeah, I, I agree in how you frame training. Um, I, I think training is important, but I think more important than training is understanding how training actually works. And one thing that we do, which is uh, I believe very different than many training companies is we come from a train the trainer perspective, meaning we're not teaching people to just technically enact scripts or reps to make them more efficient. We're teaching people how to think through problem sets and how to think about training so they can go back to their families or their friends or even in their own sessions and make themselves better. Um, you know, a lot of people misunderstand how training actually applies to your behavior in life in the first place. Like you don't go to a training course and then walk away from the training course and then you've crossed the T's and dotted the I's and you're good to go. What happens is if you go to, go to a good training course, you understand concept concepts, you understand ideas and practice, and then you go and practice those things on your own to build, uh, you know, even though it's, it's a lot of people don't agree with it, I still agree with how it illustrates the mind this muscle memory that is going to allow you to operate technically without overwhelming your cognitive processes. That, that is the perfect combination of how reality works or your reactions and behavior in reality works, which means you need to be able to script things technically, but you also need a heads up display of the world and being cognitive and making good decisions to better navigate your own survival and preparedness. And that's a good combo for success. So I, I think people need to technically train. They need to implement stress to assess their technical capabilities in a real world or, or near real world environment. And they need to do it uh, as often as possible. Yeah, 100 percent. And here's another point with training that is is especially true now. Again, we're recording this the day before Election Day. When this airs, there might be some stuff going on. Guys, there's a life cycle to preparedness in a sense. And that is this, you start off with beans and, and bullets and band-aids and you get stuff. That's good. You need stuff. And then you get some skills and then you get some mindset right now in November, 2020, you should be in the uh, final touch-up phases. You should be in the, um, you know, frosting the cake phase and, and not trying to start from scratch. And so training and mindset, uh, you need mindset to start with, don't get me wrong, but these finishing touches are what you need to be doing now. And hopefully you've already got uh, the beans and all of that. Well, you know, you say, Mike, and I've heard you say this often, preparedness is a lifestyle. What do you mean by that? Well, I think a lot of people 
um, who have hobbies, for example, they like to do things that they're interested in and then they lose interest or they don't make those things part of their uh, lifestyles because they go in, you know, they ride a horse, they put the horse up and then they get back to what they deem their normal life. Well, the, the thing about preparedness is there's so many opportunities to learn and there's so many things that you need to be focused on, uh, including, like you said, mindset, that when you in, immerse yourself in that, it becomes part of your everyday behaviors or habits. And that's what I want people to, to take out of it, meaning I want you to do things on a daily basis that don't tax or overwhelm you living your life. But I want them to be good decisions and good uh, habits and behaviors in the realm of preparedness. Meaning if you wake up and you have all your stuff laid out that you every day carry, for example, and that could be a concealed carry pistol. It could be a tourniquet. It could even be, you know, the keys to your car. When you lay those things out, you're creating a mindset of preparedness by starting your day organized pre-combat inspecting your equipment to make sure it works and it's and it's the right equipment and then putting that away knowing you're going into the day with confidence that is a good habit it's living a lifestyle and it's everything that we advocate for so i i just want people to be immersed in it as opposed to thinking it's just this one-off thing they go and do they hang it up and then they check out there's no checking out in preparedness you always have to be involved in it proactively. Yeah, and there's a lot less stress in your life when you've laid things out and then you're not running around looking for your keys and you're late to work and you're running around all crazy. And, and there's a thing. And another thing about preparedness as a lifestyle is preparedness is in a lot of ways self-reliance. Now, we can't all uh, – no one can be 100% self-reliant. I'm not implying that. But when you, uh, when you don't need to run to the grocery store – every day and you've got stuff, the the power goes out and you've got plenty of toilet paper. It's just a much more peaceful, relaxed, calm way of living. So even if, you know, somebody out there listening thinks the world's not going to end and it's all crazy talk and sky is falling stuff. First of all, I think you're wrong, but okay, let's just roll with that. Um, you're going to have less stress and you're going to have more peace in your life by just having your stuff squared away and this becomes a lifestyle and this is this is great stuff modern mindset 365 talks about this you talked i remember about brushing your teeth and you know which side you of of your mouth you start brushing your teeth on and 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 habits and i, I know that's a you know kind of a vague thing to say but i mean it it gets into everything so preparedness is a lifestyle and that's one of the things we talk about on prepping 2.0 this is our lifestyle shelby and i have changed um she used to live in portland I used to live in Olympia uh, and we have changed. We're much happier and calmer and ready for just about anything. And it's it's a great way to go. Well, Mike, what are some uh, other thoughts you have on either field craft or American contingency? We have a few minutes before the end of the show. No, I, I think what it's important to, to just maybe frame out is what you what you keep repeating, which I think is important is uh, mindset. And, and I think. Uh, the problem with a lot of these vague and kind of indefinite things is they're they're very theoretical, uh, depending on the messenger. And what I mean by that is there's not a lot of tangible things to take away from in mindset. But what mindset is to me is being resilient, meaning being prepared to be pushed or shoved or punched down and then understanding how you operate 
uh, when that happens because it's inevitable and, and, and in survival and preparedness, that's part of the process, right? Which is you're losing potentially, or you're being degraded by the environment. It could be simple exposure. So the, the idea in resilience is what are you going to do when you're beat down? Cause it's inevitable. And so w- what we tangibly teach at Philcraft and, and both American contingency is you could train resilience. And the best way to train resilience is put yourself in, ex- in, exposure to circumstances that are difficult, which means workouts of the day, which means doing things that you normally wouldn't do, like going camping. Um, because even the simple exposure to, to the environment is going to break you down and allow you to be more resilient. These things are super important. And I think foundationally, um, we actually, we have like a little umbrella for preparedness. The, the roof of that, which is, which is the thing that protects you is mindset. And in, in, in this case, resilience, the pillars of preparedness are your everyday carry, your mobility platform, and then your safe home or safe house. And then the foundation of everything is your social network or the community in which uh, you've made your own. So I, I just wanted to highlight that because I think it's important that people do understand that uh, we do harp mindset because uh, foundationally it is everything that uh, provides that protection. Yeah, there's a, a character in, in my books, 299 Days, and he, he became very popular. A lot of people reacted to him. He was Dr. Green, completely made up, a podiatrist, completely made up. But he illustrated the guy who has all the stuff, and he had all the stuff, and there's a collapse and all of this in, in the book series. And uh, he, for example had an ATV because he had tons of money and he went out and he bought an ATV. Good for him. He goes and he runs it and he didn't put any oil uh, in, in it and it seized up on him. So those are illustrations of really of two things. One, having a hobby that's only a hobby, right? Or maybe, you know, loving to go on Instagram and show people what you bought. And second of all, not having the mindset and not being complete and bad things are going to happen. Because one of the things that is fundamental to all of this is the stakes are high. You guys, um, 10 years ago, I was not into the preparedness lifestyle. Um, and Mike was doing his job and he didn't have field craft because why it, quite honestly, there, there weren't a ton of threats out there. I mean, life just kind of cruised along and it's not just cruising along anymore. We have to adapt to what's going on around us. And that means being prepared for life without all of the comforts and perhaps even the security that we have now. So the stakes are high. That's why this stuff matters. That's why so many people uh, go to Fieldcraft. So many people are, you know, uh, members of American contingency. So many people listen to Prepping 2.0. It's because the stakes are high. So uh, so what are some more thoughts you have, Mike? We have a few more minutes with you until the end of the regular show. Uh, Mike will not be able to join us on the after show, which is for our Patreon supporters of Prepping 2.0. And I appreciate that. Um, There were some listener questions for Mike that uh, for the Patreons that I'm going to attempt to answer because, uh, well, we'll see. But anyway, that'll be in the after show. The end of the regular show is in a few minutes. Uh, Mike, more thoughts. Uh, I, I just say um, a big thing for us is community and, yeah. you know, technology and our immersive experience in it. There's a good documentary that just came out on Netflix called Social Dilemma. I've been tracking that guy for a while now. And what, what he frames out is a better understanding how social media and the algorithms that genera- uh, generate so much wealth and monetization of your attention span has kind of caused this disruption in our abilities to build real 
relationships with real people. And so I, I always want to harp community if you're given the opportunity because I think preparedness comes down to your ability to be um, socially networked with other people, uh, whether that's in your community or that just have your back that are going to be the value add to provide um, this inner connectivity for survival. Because even somebody like me with a myriad of experiences in survival, preparing in combat, and then tactical considerations, et cetera, I'm not an expert at canning food or sustaining survivability or, or, or you know, providing medical aid long term. So I want those assets inside of my network. And so what I encourage people to do is build these networks, build friendships with people who aren't necessarily like you, people who actually have uh, other skill sets and might be, be from a different demographic. I mean, I hang out a, around a whole bunch of people that aren't like me. Because I want to be diversified and I want to have a community of diversification, which I think is the key to survival, especially long term. Boy, absolutely. And uh, um, my team, um, you know, one of our one of our guys and he's the one everybody loves. He's Pow. He's uh, he's the Korean gunfighter and he sells insurance. That's his day job. And he is trained and he has become a magnificent gunfighter. And you got to have different people around because. It's just more enriching. You know, you mentioned about you don't know how to can and things like that. I, uh, I I commend folks who are maybe listening for the first time to go to the last episode, the previous episode of Prepping 2.0. And it's about we've identified 15 jobs that roles that need to be done for camp operations, for a bug out location, all the all the stuff that, you know, isn't cool, like sanitation. <laughs> we even came up with uh, there needs to be a uh, a water boy. Right. I mean, could be a water girl. Right. Um, who takes care of all the water and make sure that it's it's safe um, locks. There needs to be somebody who knows all the combinations and has all the keys handy. So when you're getting shot at, you're not trying to figure out what the combination of that gate is, stuff like that. And there are 15 roles. There's probably more. And a, a given person may have two, three, four or five roles, but still you have to think of it that way. No one can do all of this and it's crazy to try. And I think we're past that in the preparedness community. I think people get it now, but you know, Mike's saying it, I'm saying it. There are many roles. You have to have people. People are a net asset as long as they're good and trustworthy. They're not just mouths that are going to be, you know, needing to be fed. People are an asset. Well, um, Mike, I wanted to give you some, some time here to get your, your information out. How can folks learn more about your various projects? So the big one is uh, the com, but also com. I migrated Philcraft Survival to the Locals Network for the same reasons that I did American Contingency, which is to protect and also cache the content that we provide. And, and Mike, I, I apologize for the interruption. We have a hard break on radio. So if you could give out the Fieldcraft info, and then we're going to have to wrap it up. Okay, yeah, it's PhilCraftSurvival.com. Uh, and Phil Craft Survival across all the channels. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike. It's been great. We'll talk to everybody next week. Thanks for listening to Prepping 2.0. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. 
Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.